Effective Tuesday, January 2nd, all area UNC hospitals will have age restrictions for visitors. No visitors age 11 and under in waiting rooms or inpatient areas. And visitors of any age with respiratory symptoms are prohibited from these areas as well. These new restrictions affect UNC hospitals Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and UNC Health Chatham and Siler City, as well as youth behavioral health campuses. And this comes as we've seen a spike in hospital admissions for respiratory illnesses, including COVID and the flu. To Carborough now, where the town has announced their new finance director. After a national search, interim town manager Marie Parker announced Brett Green as finance director for the town. Green has worked for 16 years for Highwoods Properties in Raleigh. He manages a $5 million annual budget there. Earlier today, a fallen tree blocked part of Umstead Road and closed a portion of the Bowling Creek Trail. Both the road and the trail reopened earlier this afternoon. You can get more details and see pictures of the fallen tree by visiting chapelboro.com. We continue to look back on the year that was 2023. One of the highlights from the North Carolina legislature was the approval of legalized sports betting. The long divisive issue passed with majorities before being signed by Governor Roy Cooper. It will allow for sports gambling beyond the state's three casinos. With the framework still being hammered out and set to be launched before June 2024, people are interested in what it will look like. But sports betting's actually already been popular in North Carolina for years, including among college students. A survey from the NCAA reported that the majority of college students, 58% in general and 67% of those living on campus, participate in sports betting. With apps and websites making it easier to participate than ever, Carolina Connections' Sophie Cassini spoke with some students and other stakeholders about sports gambling. So I'm not going to use prize picks as most people probably would, but right now I'm on Fliff. It's another really good one that we can use in our current state. That was Tracen um, Matthews, a junior at UNC. He was on his phone looking at Fliff, a sports betting app he recently switched to. Prize picks actually has the ability to where you can switch it from your money. See this little like dollar sign in the corner. If you switch it, you can go to coins, and they give you like coins to like do fake bets. So, for example, this is where you get into like addiction stuff. There's this kind of measures. Matthew says that he's been sports betting for several years now, mainly on professional basketball and football. But he said he also dabbles in other sports like badminton and cricket. Matthews says that the majority of his friends bet on sports and some of them do it daily. If you're a teenage or adolescent young man in college right now, you probably placed a sports bet. You're, you're watching games anyway with your friends and just talking and probably having a few beers anyway. So somebody's been like, yo, this is my prize picks line. And what's prize picks? And it's like, you don't know what prize picks is? kind of how it goes. From DraftKings to FanDuel, sports betting apps are pervasive in college communities. On campuses in states where betting is legal, like Michigan State, apps are advertised during collegiate sporting events. UNC sophomore Satchel Walton did a project on sports betting legalization and its potential ramifications a year ago. He said he has gambled on horse races before for fun, putting down $25, but he says legalizing sports betting allows for advertising that feels predatory. I think it becomes a really serious problem when you expand that and say uh, you're now allowed to bet alone in your basement at you know 1 a.m. and wager however much money you want 24-7 and we're going to advertise to you constantly on the TV and say use all manner of manipulative tactics to try to get you to join and to never leave. 
College students were not the only ones excited about the legalization of sports betting in North Carolina. Buddy Bangle, who was the owner of the Moorhead City Marlins baseball team, a collegiate team playing in the Coastal Plain League, also said it would be beneficial. You know, it, it certainly creates opportunities. I think it can help ease a tax burden on both income tax in North Carolina as well as other things. Because, you know, when you're creating legislation, you have to look at it as saying either we're going to raise taxes or we have to find ways to generate revenue. This is another way to generate revenue in North Carolina. From what I hate to say, people are already doing anyway. Bingle said sports betting will help North Carolina compete with other states that have legalized sports betting, like Virginia. But Walton said North Carolina, unlike states like New York, which have a 51% tax rate, plan to keep their taxation rate relatively low. There are people who promise, oh, if you just legalize online sports betting, uh, riches will be raining down on the state, right? Uh, And to some extent, yeah, a little bit of that revenue is going to go to the state, but it varies widely. Walton said that the privileged tax rate, which will be 14%, is too low, especially if the goal is deterrence similar to alcohol and tobacco taxes. He said it doesn't deter the companies, let alone gamblers, who could end up being more susceptible to addiction. Walton said that the combination of increased online accessibility and the gamified design of the apps put youth at a higher risk for addiction. Walton said he worries about the normalization of this sort of activity. I pulled up this tweet from one of my friends from high school I saw about a month ago that really disturbed me. He said, Somebody's going to have to get me off DraftKings before I go broke. And then one of those uh, sobbing, crying emojis. <laughs> I said, oh, no, that's 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 terrible. I mean, what, what what have we done? Why have we thought this is a good policy idea? Matthews, who supports the legalization of sports betting, says he understands those who express concern about how it will impact young people. But he emphasizes that gambling is just one of many risky activities that college students are exposed to. I think that there are a lot of vices present in college that one could argue are worse than sports betting. And I can understand the developing brains argument, but at the same time, like this this young boy is learning to become a man. He will have to learn to manage money the hard way or the easy way. Like, you know, as soon as he gets his degree and gets a real job, if he has any type of vice he spends too much money on, he'll lose his house, he'll lose his job, yada, yada. So I think that it, it can teach you a cool lesson. The State Lottery Commission is now going through the process of establishing rules for sports betting in North Carolina, with a law giving them till June 2024 to launch legal betting. In Chapel Hill, this is Sophia Cazzini. Carolina Connection is a student-produced newscast from the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media. They're on semester break right now, but expect new episodes of their show returning Saturday mornings in January right here on 97.9 The Hill. Continuing to look back at 2023, One of the things the year will be remembered for is having the hottest weather of any year in history to date. Ashley Ward is the director of the Heat Policy Innovation Hub at Duke's Nicholas Institute. She says the extreme heat of 2023 is the biggest climate story of the year. Obviously, number one in my book is record heat, right? So this in the U.S., but also globally, you know, we even had record warm winter temperatures as well. Um, You know, this was the hottest heat season on record and I think the hottest July in 120,000 years. So and and by a pretty good, decent margin. Um, And some of it we could say is um, due to El Nino or the start of El Nino, which um, also indicates that next year may be worse. But, you know, 
it's really the best demonstration to date of the consequences of our inaction on climate change. It's, in many cases, this kind of heat that we experience, this heat season, just isn't possible without global warming. And so to me, the, the lesson here is, you know, a demonstration of how necessary adaptation is going to be um, and unfortunately, how inadequately we've prepared so far. Uh, so the top climate event in my book is the record heat. Ashley Ward speaking there. You can get that full conversation in the News on the Hills section of chapelboro.com. Time now for sports, and we're talking basketball and sports. First up, we've got a game tonight. UNC men's team back in action after a week-long hiatus. It was actually eight days since their last game. They enter the game against Charleston Southern with an 8-3 record and a number 9 national ranking. We'll have all the action for you right here on 97.9 The Hill, your flagship station for UNC Sports. Our coverage begins at 6.30 with countdown to tip-off with Brighton McConnell. And also worth noting from this week, Sports Illustrated has named R.J. Davis as a midseason All-American as he continues his blistering hot shooting. And uh, continue that, that continues going forward. Should have a fun ACC stu- uh, season ahead of us. Team resumes ACC action on January 2nd. They'll be on the road at Pitt. Women's team also takes the court this weekend. They'll be uh, playing New Year's Eve at noon, hosting Clemson. As we continue to look back at the biggest local news stories of 2023, sadly, one of the biggest involved a major figure in our community who left us too soon, Eric Montross, who passed away this month at the age of 52. In the days after his death, we heard from many of the people whose lives he touched, and while they spoke about his prowess on the basketball court and in the broadcast booth, It was his legacy as a humanitarian that stood out the most. David Glenn of the North Carolina Sports Network told us that quality was evident in Eric Montross from the very beginning. I knew him when he became a McDonald's All-American basketball player. I interviewed him when he was 17 or 18 years old. And I could tell from the very beginning that he was not just your typical prep star. The way he acted, how he treated uh, other members of the media, his investment in the community and charity. He's a seven foot, 250 pound man the first time you meet him. But then you realize that he has, you know, in a different sense, an even bigger heart. And it's just an incredible story that you could be great at something, both basketball playing and basketball broadcasting. But in the end, his legacy is being an even better person. You know, we could spend a long time just talking about him as a basketball player and as a basketball broadcaster. But those bigger-than-basketball accomplishments, the only reason they did not surprise me was because I had met and, and talked to the 17-, 18-, 19-year-old guy who was helping the Tar Heels you know, win the national championship, among other things, in 1993. You could just see that he was a different guy way back when he was 17. David Glenn speaking there. You can visit our website, chapelboro.com, to read his full holding court column where he shares even more reflections on the life and legacy of Eric Montross.